With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So wherever your next journey together takes you, start it off right with the high-performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Learn more at ProPlansport.com. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. The Colin Coward Podcast presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. No better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. Basketball, football, they have awesome new and existing user promotions. It's easy to use. It's safe and secure. You can get your winnings back in two hours. My favorite, the same game parlays. You can bet five or 10 bucks and win 150 bucks or more. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Get started now. Sign up promo code Colin so they know we and I sent you. The Colin Coward Podcast presented by the FanDuel Sportsbook. Hi, everybody, and welcome in to the Friday Morning Podcast. Uh, Hall of Fame executive Bill Polian. Every time I listen to him, I get smarter. Uh, I'm going to throw a lot of questions about the draft and certain key NFL situations. And just the way his mind works is pretty cool. But first, fake questions, real answers. There's stuff I want to talk about, but I don't want to wait for you to ask me. Dear Colin. What's the best, most remarkable aspect of Derek Carr's new contract? It's not the money. It's the no trade clause. For really talented people, artists, athletes, Wall Streeters, tech superstars, it's not about the annual income. There's a sea of money and they'll always make it. It's the ability to control your future. That's why the great artists have often gone to court to get out of contracts, so they're available to the entire market. Only eight players in the entire National Football League have the ability to say, no, I'm not going there. Derek Carr, at the end of this contract in three years, will have that power. It's not about the money for Derek. 
Nevada's got no state tax. He's making $35, $40 million a year. He had a net worth of $75 million before the contract. But his ability to say, hey, you can't send me to a crappy team. What he's doing is protecting his legacy. That's the power of what Russell Wilson had. Russell Wilson had a no-trade clause. Aaron Rodgers doesn't. It's the brilliance. Russell realized, I'm always going to make money, and I'm always going to win games. The only thing that could puncture that is if I'm traded to a terrible franchise. That's why Seattle didn't get as much back for Russell Wilson as many suspected he was worth. Why? Because Russell gave them a team they had to trade him to Denver. That was his first, second, and third choice, therefore limiting the Seahawks. For the average person, take the money. For stars in any industry, seek freedom and the ability to control where you can be sent or where you can go. Dear Colin, what do you make of this week the Cincinnati Reds president, Phil Castellini? Telling his fans the only way for a team to succeed would be to pick it up and move it somewhere else because of the current baseball economy. Well, first of all, that's a pretty harsh blow to fans, and the Reds will probably never be moved because the first baseball team ever, I believe, is the Cincinnati Red Stockings. You can look it up. I think I'm right. They mean something to the history of baseball. But the reality of what he is saying is, You better be patient here, folks, because with the economics of baseball exploding and with Fox Sports regional cable networks now in the hands of another network and not as lucrative, it is harder now than five years ago for small market teams like Seattle, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Cincinnati. People often say, but, but, but look at the Tampa Rays. Now, let's talk about the Tampa Rays. They're a better story than a reality. Now, there's always exceptions to everything, and they are, considering the payroll, the best of that seven or eight team group. But since 2008, when they lost to the Phillies in the World Series, they've only been back one time in 14 years. Other than that, they miss the playoffs or get knocked out early. I mean, even when they win games, they get outpaced by the Red Sox and Yankees who have more money. In 2018, they won 90 games. The Red Sox won 108. The Yankees won 100. Last year, they won 100 regular season games. They lost to the Red Sox in the American League Divisional Series. So that's the great example of the ceiling for what he's talking about. Something that's not talked about. When Fox owned all these regional networks, they really helped the smaller market teams. They generated real revenue. Kansas City, Mariners, Pirates, A's. Those got sold off. They're not as lucrative now. And the smaller market teams are privately complaining to baseball. They can no longer compete. Dear Colin, the NFL draft doesn't have a lot of juice this year. Does that change your interest level in it? It doesn't. It will change the average fan's interest in it. Their interest, the ratings won't be as high as last year because there aren't star quarterbacks. But I'm interested in the architecture of the football team, the building of it. So the players are mostly irrelevant to me when it comes to the draft. It's almost like the beach. The beach makes me happy. I like to go to the beach. 
Not every day, not every week, but in the summer, I like to go to the beach. I don't have levels of happiness when I'm at the beach. Newport Beach makes me happier than Huntington Beach, not as happy as Manhattan Beach, not nearly as happy as Malibu. A beach is a beach. I'm always happy. A draft is a draft. I'm always satisfied. I think the more interesting parts of a draft are teams that can manipulate it, teams that can fill holes and gaps. I'm very interested in the Dallas Cowboys. They have pressing needs on the offensive line, but yet because Amari Cooper left, they have to draft another receiver, don't they? In a more receiver-dependent league. It doesn't really matter who the players are. I've said this before about college sports. Alabama fills its stadium regardless of who the quarterback is. The key is the coach in college. If the coach is bad and Alabama had five straight losing seasons, the seats are empty. When they're winning and have the right coach, the players become less relevant. Same with Kansas basketball. They always fill their arena. Always. It's about the coach. When they have Roy Williams or Bill Self, they win a bunch of games, they're sellouts. If they whiffed on a coach and had five straight losing seasons, you'd have empty seats. College sports has been about the brand. It's about the coach. The players are less important. Not that they don't have the right to transfer. I'm for it. Or name, image, likeness, make money. Professional sports is different. I'm watching for the athlete because they're the best of the best. In college and in the draft, it's the structure of it. It's the brands that pull me in. Dear Colin, what do you say to the Russell Westbrook supporters who still stand by him, even despite clear erosion and a disastrous season? Listen, there's three types of people. People that get stuff immediately. People that get stuff eventually. And people that never get stuff. Listen, if you still think Trump won the election, keep it to yourself. It's embarrassing. I mean, I understand if you had questions for a week or two. But at this point, you're Looney Tunes. Like with Westbrook, I immediately thought he was talented, but didn't make players better. There's other people who thought the same thing, and it took time to see that his ball-centric, tunnel vision style was problematic. If you still are a Westbrook fan and are still defending him, you just don't get it. If you look at the great point guards in the history of basketball, Magic, John Stockton, Isaiah Thomas, Steph Curry, go down the line. They have two qualities. One, and this is usually the top quality. They make everybody better they play with through distribution. Or two, they're great shooters. Steve Nash, Steph Curry. Westbrook's neither. If you still are clinging to Westbrook, you're in the third group. You don't get it initially. You didn't get it eventually. And you're just the guy who never gets it, ever. Dear Colin, why are the Dodgers and Rams succeeding and the Lakers are crumbling? Well, the truth is, market size is mostly irrelevant. I mean, the Jets and the Giants are awful. So are the Knicks. So are the Mets. Look in Chicago. Most of those teams, underwhelming. When's the last time the Bears truly had their act together? It feels like the Bulls have been promising but disappointing at the end of a year for a decade or more. 
Look at Dallas. Cowboys, Mavericks. Not a lot of titles in the last 20 years. The truth is market size is overrated. The exception is Los Angeles, not because it's a big city, but it's the entertainment capital of North America. And as sports and entertainment are connecting, it's very attractive to professional athletes who now have production companies, podcast companies, and the like. But even in Los Angeles, the Lakers are crumbling because they're poorly owned and poorly run. And the Rams and Dodgers are succeeding because they're well-owned and smartly run. Market size has been overrated for years because players now can live anywhere and make a fortune. They can live in OKC. They can live in Phoenix. Patrick Mahomes can be in Kansas City. A lot of people in smaller markets fear the money and the power of the big markets. And in baseball, that's somewhat true. But in the NFL, NBA, MLS, and hockey, your owner and your front office and a good coach are going to dictate success. There's nothing to be afraid of. Dear Colin, what'd you make of the T-Wolves? All that celebrating after just winning a play-in game. Listen, I'm not anti-celebration, okay? But in my life, and I'm now like mid-50s, right? In my life, there has been a general theme from people. The people who love celebrating tend to let it skew things going forward. My, my take's always been celebrate briefly, grind regularly. It's a mindset. I got nothing against celebrating, but I've worked with people my entire career. They get a good ratings book, they make a little money, and they become hangover hairy. Like, there's nothing wrong with celebrating. Johnny Manziel, though, big celebrator. Cam Newton, big celebrator. Diva wide receivers, big celebrators. It's just not my thing. And I'm not just talking sports. I'm... Look in your family. Look with people you've worked with. You should, when you succeed, be happy and reward yourself. But the personalities in my life that live for the celebration, over-celebrate, usually the following year, they're not the same employee. The following week, month, they're not the same employee. Like Cam Newton is the greatest example. Dude, it's a touchdown. Since high school, you've scored hundreds. I don't need a performance. I'm not against it, but the argument can be made, oh, look, Minnesota, they don't win much. Yeah, maybe part of it is they don't know how to act when they do. In the NBA play-in tournament, there are no sure things, except one. Bet at least 20 bucks. In same-game parlays on FanDuel Sportsbook, you'll get an instant bonus, win or lose. 20 bucks. That's right. Not only do you get to enjoy the NBA's best duking it out for the right to advance to the playoffs, but FanDuel's giving all customers a bonus for getting in on the action. Oh, and the more you bet, the bigger your bonus. FanDuel is an official partner of the NBA. Their app is safe, easy to use, and you'll get your winnings fast. New to the FanDuel Sportsbook? We'll sign up today, promo code Colin, to make every moment more. So don't just watch the NBA play-in tournament. Be part of it. Bet at least 20 bucks in the same game parlay. Get an instant bonus, win or lose. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, and Louisiana. 
permitted parishes only. Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem, 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42-ARIZONA, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, Jersey, and Virginia, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-877-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369 in New York, Tennessee, Redline, 1-800-889-9789, Tennessee, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bill Polian was the GM for the Bills during their 90s Super Bowl run. He also built the Colts into a Super Bowl winner, Super Bowl 41. 
work for the Panthers as well. He's one of the smartest personnel people I've ever met. He knows I think that. And he is now joining us on our Colin Coward podcast on a Friday. So it's interesting, Bill. Um, When I look at a draft, it's not more or less interesting to me based on the players. I like the process, the architecture of it. I like the construct of an NFL team and building it. I don't really, the players, it's almost like college sports. You know, when I watch Duke and Mike Krzyzewski, the players come and go. It's it's the arena. It's the coach. It's his system. It's his offense. So this is being called sort of a, uh, a low wattage, a low star draft. In your history of doing all these drafts, does this compare to any draft that you recall? You know, that's an interesting question. Um, it could very well have, have, have been 2000. Um, I, I don't think there was a lot of star power in, in 2000. And, and star power is really defined as franchise-type quarterbacks. That's, that's right. really what it's all about. I mean, when you, you think about all of the rush people that are in this draft, there are guys that are going to play in the league for a long time and be stars. Um, but the quarterbacks aren't there, and and as a result, it, it doesn't have quite the buzz that it that it would otherwise. Here's what worries me about Kenny Pickett. His biggest year was his last year. He had a turnover problem in college. I'm not obsessed with hand size, but it was a Jared Goff issue, and he had a problem securing the football. Kenny has a hand size issue. Um, I think he is big enough, athletic enough. Uh, not a huge arm, not a big plus-plus arm, but I do worry that by the end of his college career, you know, he's like a 23-year-old, 24-year-old kid playing with a lot of 20-year-olds, and and I, I I don't see a lot of it. I see capable. Is that fair? Uh, no, I think it's a little unfair because uh, what happened was he got a really good receiver his last year at Pitt, and and he connected with that guy. And, and he got better coaching. Uh, he, he got a, a more pro-style approach to the game as opposed to uh, simply uh, uh, pure spread. And, and so everything fit together for him. Uh, so I wouldn't hold the, the previous years against him. He's, he's growing and developing. And he fulfills every, virtually every Bill Parcells axiom, which is, you know, one of which is to is is to play thirty games. Right. Um, the arm strength is is okay. It's not great, but it's okay. Uh, and, and and that's all you need as long as you're accurate and you can process. And it looks as though he processes well. He's athletic enough to make plays with his feet uh, and to move out of the pocket and certainly to move within the pocket. And he's got. I I I don't believe that he lacks the it factor i think he's got it um he, he led Pitt from behind on a number of occasions this past year uh he, he beat a, a, a pretty good north carolina team in the bowl game um he he's got the it factor i think so he's going to play um you know how good will he be i think any quarterback's only as good as the people around him i would point you to alabama's young man last year who many of the same people were saying the very same thing about who is the most successful rookie quarterback this year, the young man from Alabama. So uh, 
you know, I, I think he'll play and, and, and be pretty good. When Josh Allen came in from Wyoming, uh, I had talked to somebody who said he made a mistake evaluating him. He said, I should have taken his greatest moments and and considered those um, more than I did his overall play. Um, because when you watch his NFL career, it's you see a lot of his greater moments. And those were sensational. But I didn't take into consideration he, he wasn't as refined. Well, he was going to get better coaching in the pros. So when I watched Malik Willis drives the ball, big, trunky, thick athlete, sounds like a good kid. He may not have the most refined tape, but there are moments on it that are, wow. How do you judge him the more raw prospect? Well, first of all, he's six feet tall and that that's worrisome. Short quarterbacks, you know, Doug Flutie and and, and Drew Brees are are the exceptions, not the rule. So that, that that's that's difficult to begin with. Um, secondly, the arm strength part of it is is okay. You know, it's good. It's good to have a strong arm, but that that's not what wins in the league. It's processing right. and the ability to be accurate with the ball. Um, and now he comes in as a guy who essentially does makes his living with his legs. He does spectacular things. My question is, can he do winning things? And those are two different categories, right? Complete two different, completely categories. So I have questions there. I have questions there. Now his coach, Hugh Freeze, to, to my knowledge, hasn't had any NFL experience, made a statement that I saw which says he doesn't know what he doesn't know, meaning the young man doesn't yet know what he doesn't know. Um, and that's that's true of every rookie quarterback. But the other thing you have to keep in mind is that he's making a big jump up in level of competition. L Liberty is below the level of the Mid-America. This isn't Ben Roethlisberger coming in here, you know, right. who's, who dominated the Mid-America. So um, there's that. Uh, so to me, there are some questions here. And... I think, but for the rookie salary cap and the fifth-year option, I don't think I'd consider him as a first-rounder. But because of the rookie cap and because of the fifth-year option, he is probably worth taking a chance on. Because if you hit on him, you got him for four years at a low salary and right. five years at a reasonable salary. And if you if you don't hit, if he doesn't do well then all you've lost is a first round draft choice and that's and that's that's not insignificant but it's not the end of the world you know bill there's we see this in all sports there's rule changes cultural changes in basketball about 10 years ago you could no longer have two players on the floor that couldn't shoot a three and it changed swiftly and the gms that embraced it warriors bob myers won a lot of titles a lot of teams did not embrace it, and they suffered the consequences. In baseball, there are just realities now about um, the kind of batters, power batters who strike out a lot is not, you know, the Dave Kingmans of my era would not be the liability they were, right? Uh, today, that player, a lot of home runs, some strikeouts. What you don't want is ground balls. 
In the NFL, because of rule changes and some cultural changes, I'm noticing this for about the last 10 years in California. Kids are very good about trends, music trends, sports trends. They know them first. The money's at quarterback and wide receiver, and the rules now benefit both. You can't hit quarter receivers over the middle. Uh, they feel more empowered. Quarterbacks, similarly, very protected. In the state of California high school recruiting bill, if you go to the top 100 players in high school next year, 40 are receivers or quarterbacks, almost 50%. And so I look at these wide receiver contracts and, and I'm like, what in the hell is going on? But then I look at teams like the Bengals who have major issues on the O-line, major issues at linebacker. It doesn't matter. They're great at receiver and great at quarterback. I look at the Rams saying, we don't need first round picks. Get the quarterback right. We'll figure everything else out. It is, when I saw Tyreek Hill go for five draft picks, I about fell out of my chair. But then I think to myself, geez, he's Cooper Cup with speed. You can use him like six different ways. What do you make of this very quickly evolving value and cost of wide receivers? Well, first of all, cost is entirely dependent on what the first guy in the marketplace does, because every other agent's going to jump over that by right. five hundred thousand or a million, however however high they can go. So, the first contract that gets signed is is out of this world, and, and now everybody else is chasing that. And what happened, I think, with with although I, I share your view of Tyreek, um, what happened with with the the Chiefs, I think, is that they said, you know, we need three receivers to make this go. Yeah. We we can't have they haven't won the Super Bowl with just two guys. <clears throat> Excuse me, Kelsey and and uh, and Tyreek. We need a third guy. And if we have to pay Tyreek this money. And Kelsey's approaching the back nine. In fact, he's probably playing 10 as we speak. Yeah. Um, where does that leave us? And and so have they priced themselves out of certain markets? I think that's probably true. Um, now, Tyreek Hill doesn't come along every day, nor right. does Devontae come along every day, uh, although they're two completely different types of receivers. So my hope is that that the market will 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 slow down and and only the top guys will get that incredible money but you and I both know that's not how it works. <laughs> so you may be in a situation where you find yourself saying um okay I can afford digs but I can't afford two other receivers, I'm going to have to go with rookies in that situation. Now, right. the good part about that is, as you point out, there are plenty of rookies out there. Yeah. But that doesn't that doesn't make for the most outstanding and the most efficient football you can put on the field. You know, it's interesting. Uh, the, the consensus among many in the media was you got to pay Debo Samuel. And I said a week ago, oh, time out, time out. He plays very physically. He's been hurt multiple times. Um, Shanahan, Kyle leans into that style of coaching. Uh, he loves Kittle. 
Debo Samuel. I said, I couldn't pay him huge money because then my top two players, Kittle and Debo, are injury prone. Where my primary rival in the division, the Rams, Jalen Ramsey's not injury prone. Aaron Donald's not. Matt Stafford's not. Bobby Wagner's not. Cooper Cup's not. I, I got to consider my division. I got to win my division, right? And the Rams stars are never hurt. Well, Garoppolo's hurt a lot. <laughs> Kittle, Debo Samuel. So my takeaway was I get the Niners saying, we're going to listen to offers. Um, is it ever difficult, Bill? You love a player. He just won your playoff game. He has incredible value. And you're going to get heat by a lot of people for not doing it. What do you do with a Debo Samuel? Man, oh, man. Is that, that is the ultimate dilemma for a GM. It's the oh, ultimate really? dilemma. Yes. Because you love the player. The, the chances are you love him as a person, too. The, the contribution he makes is unique. The, the attachment he has to the franchise and to the fans is also strong and unique. And his personality and style of play, along with the tight end, really says a lot about what that football team is. Yes. The backs are interchangeable. I mean, right. you can, they, they can bring backs off the street, literally, and play well in that system. But you gotta have that 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 great receiver, and you gotta have the great tight end. So, how do you how do you make that fit? What do you sacrifice? So when it when it when it all boils down, and we've had this discussion about what his value is, then you say, okay, we know what his value is. It, it it's what Devonte and, and Tyreek got. That's what he's going to be asking for. What do we have to sacrifice in order to accommodate that? That's where the dilemma comes in. And, and so you have to have a system of football on defense because the offense is where the, where the money is. You just pointed it out. You have to have a system of football on defense where you can feed young players, less expensive players, into the equation. And the Rams are doing that. They let Reader go, right? Yep. He's playing for in the same building, but for a different team. Right. Uh, because they are not going to pay linebackers because they got to pay Cooper Cup at some point in time. Right. So the question is not do we keep Debo or do we put him out on the market? I don't think he's fungible. The question is what do we have to give up to accommodate what we're going to pay, pay him? And that's the dilemma. That's the one that keeps you up at night. Quarterbacks mean more than ever. They're more compensated than ever. They have more power and leverage than ever. And now many are demanding mobility. Um, it's a new time. It's almost an international soccer star feel, NBA superstar feel. Not quite there yet. But with the Aaron Rodgers situation, I mean, he called out the franchise. He's tried to humiliate the franchise. He's not going to show up to one of his camps, even though he, they may have young receivers they just drafted. He's not going to show up. He'll do talk shows, game shows. And I think to myself, boy, I almost wa wonder if Green Bay would be better with an owner who could get on the phone and bark at him a little bit and say, hey, pal, you know, but they don't have that in Green Bay. Um, the other day, Mark Murphy said he doesn't have a three-year contract. He's got three one-year contracts. And I thought, <laughs> I don't know if he's going to be there for three years. I mean, where is your line in the sand on not having leverage with a star? 
being publicly humiliated by a star, um, having um, him not being accommodating. I mean, some of this stuff I look at and think, man, I know he's talented, Bill, but this is a lot. I mean, you go out and take shots at the organization. You can do it with no owner, but it's a lot to deal with. I, I know like Debo, he's talented, but how would you have handled this? Well, Mark is a Mark Murphy is a is a not only a very smart guy but a former player, and so he understands the chemistry of the locker room. He understands what the what the trigger man does for you. He understands the 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 the, the dynamic that that guy brings to the team, and you know there you, you stretch that rubber band as far as you can stretch it in order to win. Now. In Aaron's case, what's what's what was shocking to me was he had to know that Devontae was leaving. He did. He had to know it. And yet he still took the money, knowing that he was going to be bereft of his number one receiver. So that tells you, common sense tells you it had to be about the money. That's what it was about, not getting me a team. Not let me put put my stamp on the offense. Not let me bring Tommy Clements is as good as as good as Tommy is, uh, but let me get my contract done here. So there's nothing wrong with that. Every player should do that, but to do it in a in a disruptive way is really stretching that rubber band. And now, not showing up at minicamp after you've gotten all this money. In the off-season program, after you've gotten all this money, that one, uh, you know, even Mark probably has a, has difficulty with that. As mature as he is and as experienced as he is, it's one of the people I respect most in this business. It's got to stick in his craw, and it wouldn't mind. I mean, owner or no owner, I think I'd sit down and say, listen, we need to get some things straight here. Yeah. Um you know Bill Belichick well, competed against him for a long time. Um, I, I said the other day that, um, I mean, every NFC team that went to the playoffs had an offensive coach. If you take out the AFC East, which has all defensive coaches, only one division had a coach win that wasn't an offensive coach, and that was Tennessee. And there's an argument to be made that Carson Wentz really – messed it up or they would have been a playoff team too um, in Indianapolis. And that a lot of these older defensive coaches, Pete Carroll's had his defense is not as effective over the last four years. Uh, Vic Fangio got fired. Mike Zimmer struggled to get along with Kirk Cousins. Uh, Washington, Ron Rivera can't quite get it right. I'm not saying um, you have to be an offensive coach, but even with Belichick, they let Shaq Mason go, J.C. Jackson go. They have really no exceptional weapons on the perimeter. It's almost a starless franchise. I don't – I'm not doubting Belichick's brilliance. But he said a few years ago, Bill, he said, I'm only going to coach the guys I want to coach. You know, I got my money, got my rings. I'm just going to coach the guys I want to coach. And I think to myself, well, be careful. <laughs> Sometimes those great players are a pain in the ass. I do look at them and think, boy, Bill, they don't have a lot of speed. They lost their best corner. They don't have an elite edge rusher. They got a young quarterback. I worry 
not worry. I, I look at it and I think, you know, Greg Popovich started buying into his own system. Let's DeMar DeRozan go. Let's Kawhi Leonard go. They're not a very good team anymore. And he's still a brilliant coach. Do you see with New England, would you be concerned a little as a GM that, you know, when Bill says, I'm only coaching guys I want to coach? Well, Bill, that's not realistic. I'd love to work at a company where everybody's my best friend. It doesn't work that way. Well, you know, I, I wouldn't take that literally. I think he's he's got, I know he's got a, 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 a you know, a broad level of tolerance for different personalities. And as Mark Levy used to say, don't confuse personality and character. You know, they're two different things. Um, so I, I, I don't think Bill's working in a, in a, in a narrow uh, in a narrow space. I think what he does want uh, is a team that will be team oriented. Uh, he remember Bill Parcells, his mentor said he never wanted a celebrity quarterback. There was no greater celebrity quarterback than Tom Brady. Right. And then <laughs> Cam he Newton. Was, he went and got Cam Newton. And Cam Newton, yes, of course. Who, who couldn't carry Tom Brady's gym bag as a quarterback, right. but, you know, was a personality for sure. The, the So I think he wants people who will buy into the team logic uh, and the present quarterback is is perfect for that. I mean, he's he's absolutely exhibit A of that. Um, I do agree that the receiver position needs an upgrade in speed. Uh, I don't think there's any question about that. Um, the offensive line for years was left to the magic of Dante Scarnecchia. Now, Dante's still there as an advisor, but I think they've been through a couple of offensive line coaches, and it's hard to replicate Dante. He's He and Howard Mudd were really one of a kind. I mean, you know, two of a kind. Exceptional. Um, so Bill now has to worry about that to some degree, which where he didn't have to do that before. Um, so change, you know, there's change. Josh is gone now. Most people expected that that wouldn't happen, that he would succeed Bill, but he, but he didn't. And so it's, it's a whole new ball game. But Bill Belichick knows how to win football games better than anybody else coaching in the National Football League. And I lost plenty to him and, and won some too. You know, and, and, and it was a fierce rivalry. But when I was at ESPN, along with you and, and, and doing the color on the radio games, I would go out and prepare for the game and then do the game and come back and say, he just outcoached the other guy. He, 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 you know, he, he stole the other guy's wallet via special teams. You know? right. the, the guy is incredible. And he knows how to build football teams. The only move that they made that puzzled me was J.C. Jackson. That was the one that puzzled me because they don't have cap problems. And and if he's anything, Bill is a brilliant defensive genius and especially one on the defensive uh, in the defensive back end. So the J.C. Jackson move puzzled me. But other than that, I don't question what he does. And I think he's still on top of his game. And, and to your central question, 
he's got a broad spectrum of people that he wants to coach. He's not into a narrow area. Just picking choir boys. That's not <laughs> no one does that. And he you can't win doing that. He knows that. Finally, all your years of being a general manager, Hall of Fame. What single player that you drafted any round are you proudest of? Maybe your scout said, Bill, I don't know. Maybe you did extra work. Maybe you outfox somebody. Give me somebody that you look up and go, you know what? That was a that was a high five day in the room. Uh, I honestly, I'm gonna give you Marv Levy's answer. People say to him, Are you Marv doesn't have any any children or any sons? He's got a daughter stepdaughter and, and and people say to him are you sad that you didn't have a son and his answer was no i had close to a thousand sons during my career <laughs> right. and 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 i feel that way about virtually all the guys i drafted you know uh uh i'm proud of what they've accomplished frank Reich turned out to be exactly what we thought he would be which was a, a great backup quarterback a great teammate a great person and now a great head coach um, but uh, there, there's so many more, you know, I, I, I can't I can't pick one. It would it would be I just can't. You know, it'd be you, like asking me which of my children do I love best? <laughs> I bet, though, I bet you love the process of it. I miss the process at this time of year being involved, knowing we're, we're hit. We're sitting here talking about players. We don't know 40 percent of what the players about. I, I couldn't wait to speak to the psychologist. I couldn't wait to speak to the college head coach. I couldn't wait to read the scouting reports. It's the process is just marvelous. It's it, it, it's not a burden at all. There's no pressure. You're 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 making your team better. It's the greatest thing in the world. The psychologist part. Did you guys have those way back seventies, eighties too? Yes. Yeah, well, eighties. Yes. Uh, yeah. We were the first, I think, to begin. Uh, uh, systematized psychological testing in Buffalo. Wow. So you could tell leadership qualities or just talented, yes. everything. Everything, everything. And, and, and now there are any number of purveyors of tests and, and interview the processes and what have you that give you even more information, specific information about processing speed and, 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 and the ability to absorb and and regurgitate knowledge and all those kinds of things that are so important to play in the position. You know, we talk about all the quarterbacks until the cows come home. As I say, we don't know 40, the most important 40%. Do they process? Are they poised? Can they regurgitate information? Can they handle pressure? We, we you know, intellectual pressure, which is, which is what blitzes and those things are all about. You know, the media, and we shouldn't know, but, that's the most important information. Bill, is always an absolute pleasure. You got a podcast, don't you? I do. What is it called? It's called uh, Bill Polian, Inside Football with Bill Polian. There you go. Bill, I love it. I get smarter every time. Thank you, sir. Pleasure, buddy. Always great to be with you. All right. Make sure to check out the Draymond Green Show.
I brought Draymond Green into the volume because one of the more entertaining voices in sports, unique perspective, understands behind the rope, also chops up with guests like Gary Payton, Zach Levine, Tracy McGrady. Make sure, download the Draymond Green Show wherever you get your podcasts, only on the Volume Podcast Network. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.